Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Barak of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Today, Pastor J.D. will be sharing some encouraging news. Jesus is coming again. His exact arrival is unknown, but it will come soon. Are you ready for him? If not, be sure to keep listening for a simple but powerful way to change that. Today is the best day to begin a relationship with the Savior of the world who came to die for everyone on earth, especially you. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on December 9, 2018. For those that have been to Israel and specifically to Jerusalem, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a spiritual place in our hearts as Christians. And it's so life-changing. And as I'm standing there looking out over the city and the sun is setting, the sun just reminded me, a much-needed reminder, do you see Jerusalem? I'm coming back. I'm coming back. You have no idea how soon and how close it is. I reluctantly say this because I always get comments that I just think, man, I didn't say that. I even have to go back and listen to what I said, which I hate to do, by the way. I can't stand to listen to myself. If the Lord wants to discipline me, He makes me listen to myself. That is torture. But I just go back and make sure I didn't say what they say I said. So I'm prefacing this by saying that. I had this sense, and please don't misunderstand me, I had this sense when I was in Jerusalem that it would be the last time that I would see Jerusalem on this earth. Not the new Jerusalem. (laughs) but it was just this sense that that's how close the Lord's return is. I'm not setting dates. Please do not email me or say, J.D. said Jesus is coming back before he goes to Israel again. I better leave that right there and just let the Holy Spirit take it from there. Well, all good things must come to an end, as they say. And the tour had to come to an end, but not before the gathering together at the Garden Tomb, which is, for many, present company included, one of the most powerful experiences in any trip to Israel. When you walk in that tomb, and that tomb is empty, and it's not even completed, and there's no forensic evidence of any bodily decay in that tomb, which is unthinkable. To have a tomb in the garden that close in proximity to 
Golgotha, the skull, Calvary, the hill that the Savior was crucified on. I mean, it's unmistakably, as far as I'm concerned, the place, the tomb that the Savior lay for three days before he rose again from the dead. I'll never forget the first time I walked in, I just was so overcome with emotion. I walked out of there and my life was changed forever. Now, whenever I take a group there and they go in that tomb, I just like to kind of hang back and just watch them as they come out. And that makes it all worthwhile, just that that moment. So after the tomb and then, of course, Golgotha, Mount Calvary, we then go to this area there in the garden tomb area, and we partake together of communion. And I cannot think of a better way to end any time in Israel. I think it's most fitting. And I say that because of the four words aforementioned at the beginning. It's a taste of heaven. Do you realize that in that upper room, that Passover celebration, that Last Supper as we affectionately refer to it, this was the Savior's way of saying, I want to give you a taste of what's to come. When we read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, Jesus no less than two times says, I eagerly await when we partake together again, and this finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. That's the wedding feast of the Lamb. On that night when he broke that bread and had them drink from that same cup, it was that common union, that lifelong bond even unto death, namely his death, that they were commemorating and celebrating as the Passover prophecy had foretold. You understand, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but maybe it's appropriate to just sort of you know, share this at this juncture. You have to understand that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Passover. What was the Passover? It was when the Israelites were delivered out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. That tenth plague, very interesting, the firstborn son would die. Think about that. Unless they would take a lamb, inspect it for four days, which was the exact amount of time that Jesus, as the Passover lamb, was on trial and found without spot, blemish, or wrinkle, without sin. And on that specific hour, the ninth hour, they were to slay that lamb, break the body, the skin, shed the blood, take a hyssop branch, place it, that blood, on the doorposts of their house. So the angel of death in that tenth plague would pass over and they would not perish, the firstborn son. However, in order to fulfill that prophecy, the first begotten Son, the only begotten Son of God, would have to perish and die in our stead with His blood shed. And oh, by the way, throughout the Old Testament, 
Whenever the high priest would offer the wave offering, they would go north, south, east, west, shape of a cross. When the Israelites placed that blood on their doorpost, top, basin at the bottom, side, side, shape of a cross. One of the most intriguing types of the cross, the crucifixion, even before the Romans would invent crucifixion, is found in the book of Numbers, the 22nd chapter. We have an interesting story about this donkey that talks. I like donkeys that talk because I think God speaks through this donkey. If God can speak through a donkey, God can speak through me, right? But he speaks to Balaam and says, why are you doing this? See, he was paid big bucks by this Balak to curse the Israelites, but couldn't. Even when he tried, would try to pronounce a curse upon them, only a blessing, and not just a blessing, but I mean a grand and glorious, and you can read it in numbers, it is so beautiful and so eloquent. God is just blessing his people. Why couldn't he curse them for the life of him? Why could he not curse them? Because. Numbers chapter 6. You know, the book of Numbers is probably one of the most fascinating and interesting books in all of the Bible. And I know I say that about all the books in the Bible, but particularly the book of Numbers. For those of you who were with us on Thursday nights when we were going through the entire book of Numbers, you learned this. In Numbers chapter 6, where there's all these numbers, That's why the book is called the book of Numbers. And it's just boring. The numbers of this tribe was this. The numbers of that tribe was this. The numbers of this tribe was this. And they were camped this way. And there were this many numbers and that many numbers. You're just going, you're killing me already. Until you realize that when you take the configuration with the numbers of the camps of the Israelites camped to the east, The numbers of the Israelites camped to the west. The numbers of the Israelites camped to the north. And the numbers of the Israelites camped to the south. With the tabernacle at the center, the priestly tribe, the Levites. A picture, a type of John's Gospel, chapter 1, that the Word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. That's Jesus at the center of this formation. And wouldn't you know that when you take those numbers, it's in the shape of a cross. And that's why for the life of him, Balaam could not curse the Israelites because of the finished work on the cross generations before the Romans had ever come up with the cross as crucifixion. I kind of went off there. I'll try to bring it back to where I was. The communion table, to me, is the Lord's way of saying, I know you're holding on. I know you're keeping my word. I know you're not denying my name. I know you have little strength. I'm going to keep you from the hour of tribulation that is coming upon the whole world. Just hang in there. Just wait. It won't be much longer. Be encouraged. I know you're hanging on by a thread. I know it's getting very difficult and potentially will get even more difficult. But I'm coming quickly. I'm coming very soon. And I want to give you just a taste of what's to come. And to me, that is what 
the communion is all about. Because you see, when you realize what Jesus did for you and what you have to look forward to, it makes it so much easier to get through whatever you're going through because of the glory that awaits. I think about what the Apostle Paul says about the sufferings of this world. The moment, he says, the momentary light afflictions. Momentary light afflictions. You have to understand in the context of what Paul was referring to, they were not momentary and they were certainly not light, but they were certainly afflictions. He said, they're not even worthy to be compared with the glory that awaits. It would be criminal to try to describe that which we only see through a glass darkly now. But that's the glory that awaits. And whenever we partake together of the communion table, it is a much needed reminder. I find it interesting that Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this, keyword in remembrance of me. Why is that important? Because we need to remember. Why do we need to remember? Because if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, we get caught up with the busyness of our lives, especially in Hawaii, and the cares and the affairs of this world. And it's so easy to forget. Wait a minute. I'm saved, man. This world is not my home. This is not my final destination. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. And the one who came into the world is coming back to take me out of this world in the twinkling of an eye. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. This is a promise that he made. He gave me his word and he cannot, it is impossible for him to not keep his word. He said it and that settles it and that should settle my heart. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. I just want to share with you a testimony (laughs) that I received concerning the ABCs of salvation. It's from an online member by the name of Amy. She lives in the UK, and this is part of the email that she sent. After listening to a sermon, you went through the ABCs of salvation, and it became so clear how easy it is to witness to a lost person how to be saved without making it sound complicated. Once hearing this, I felt a strong guidance from the Holy Spirit to witness this to lost souls across my nation through letters pictured here. My mom, I love how they say mom, my mom also had this guidance, so we both write the ABCs of salvation letters weekly. This makes it encouraging to know that being a single mom to two young babies, Isaac is two and Judah is seven months, great names, still being on maternity leave and not having anyone other than my mom and brothers who wants to talk about the Lord and his soon coming return, that I can still find time to witness. Wow, what a loving Father we have who will guide us to ways in which we wouldn't think of ourselves. Such an encouragement. We continue to receive from people all over the world how God is using the simplicity, and the gospel is so simple. Just the simplicity of the gospel of salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. Testimonies like this remind me of the importance of ending 
all of our prophecy updates on a weekly basis with the gospel, and then also with it, the ABCs of salvation in response. And I want to share with you just the simplicity of the gospel. What is the gospel? The word gospel simply means this. Good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. Good news. That's what the word gospel means. Wait, what debt has been paid? Oh, you didn't know? (laughs) The death penalty has been paid. I was sentenced to death? Yeah. How did that happen? When did that happen? Oh, it happened when sin entered the world and I was born into this world, which is why I must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. See, I was given the death penalty because of my sin. And then Jesus came and paid my death penalty for me and for you in our stead with his blood shed. And that's the good news. Your death penalty has been paid by another. You're free to go. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That's the gospel. That Jesus Christ came, he was crucified, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, and he's coming back soon one day. Soon and very soon. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Now what's our response? Well, our response is as childlike, simple as the gospel itself. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It's the simplicity, the childlike simplicity of the gospel and our response to the gospel to be saved. Here's the ABCs of salvation. The ABC simple way to respond to the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you're a sinner and in need of the Savior. This is actually what it means to repent in the sense that you're acknowledging your sin and that you need the Savior. How are you going to need a Savior if you don't see yourself as a sinner? This is Romans 3.10. It says, There is no one righteous, not even one. Save one, Jesus the Christ. Romans 3.23 kind of settles it. It says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, all have sinned. Hang on to that word. I want to come back to that word. And then here's the death penalty. It's in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. But, here comes the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace we're saved. You and I are saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God given freely to us. It's not of works lest any of us should ever boast that we somehow earned our way of our own accord. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead on the third day. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, 
you will be saved. Why is that so important? Because that's where he paid the death penalty in his death. If he did not raise from the dead, then the death penalty has not been paid. Does that make sense? I mean, that sounds like a firm grasp of the obvious. But by faith, we put our trust in Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, paying in full our death penalty. And then lastly, the C is for call upon the name of the Lord, or if you prefer, and as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, confess with your mouth. This is in verse 10, it says, also, if you confess with your mouth, and by the way, every tongue is going to confess. One day, I can't wait. <laughs> I've asked the Lord for front row seats. Is that bad too? I just want to, there's certain people I just want to see bend their knee and confess with their devilish tongues. <laughs> the tongue that once had blasphemed the name of my and your Jesus. Confess with that tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord of lords and King of kings. I always like to say, and you'll forgive the crassness with which I say it, but more better confess now than then. Just saying. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, notice there's no tentative ambiguity here. It's not you might, you could, you should. No, you will. (laughs) You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And then lastly, this is what I like to say seals the deal. This is what I did over 36 years ago on a cold January night on the mainland. I just called upon the name of the Lord because I'm included in that word all. That Not most, not some, not them, no, all. You know what all is in the original language of the Greek New Testament? Wait for it. All. Deeply profound, I know. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're here in this church today, I make no assumptions, or watching online, and you've never called upon the name of the Lord, I implore you today to not put off and delay the most important decision you will ever make in your life for eternal life. There's not much time. There's not much time. It's going down. And when it ultimately and finally goes down, we go up. We go up. We're caught up to meet the Lord in the air when the dead in Christ rise first. Be encouraged. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. 
Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough, you can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Now, in the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in his love.